You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and Adam Burke and Linda Reynolds from Children's Theater of Charlotte. Now, in a city like Charlotte that's always changing, we've come to love the institutions that stick around and grow stronger every year and give more back than they even take. Uh, the Children's Theater of Charlotte is one of those groups started in 1948 by the Junior League and in one of Uptown's hottest properties. Since 2005, the uh, Children's Theater is a group that gives back to our community again and again. It not only puts on great shows, but offers opportunities to children and teens to learn about and take part in the great world of stage. So we're super excited today. The, uh, the theater's leaders are with us. Adam Burke is the artistic director. And Linda Reynolds is the managing director. And welcome both of you to the Brand Builders Podcast. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you, Adam and Linda, for joining us. Uh, Brian, another great introduction. Appreciate thank it, you, man. sir. Killing yeah. it. <laughs> so, another season is underway at the uh, Children's Theater of Charlotte. And tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about what shows you have coming up, especially one of your most popular for the holidays, if you will. Sure. Um, you know, well, I'll actually lead with what I think is going to be secretly our most popular, which most people may not realize, which I think is actually going to be Pete the Cat. So which is which closes our season. Um, you know, we stay very closely in touch with the librarians, which were partnered with the Children's Library at Imaginon. Um, and I also have, uh, you know, uh, scattered throughout the country, different people who sort of also feed me um, kids lit, right? Children's literature and what's what's happening and what's hot and what's not. And ever since I arrived at this job, the one title that has constantly been coming, coming forward and emerging is Pete the Cat. As an insanely popular series, you watch out because you're, Brian, you're, you're young taking one. Taking notes. I'm taking notes. Is going to be the cat. that That's up right. Pete the Cat. We're closing our season with Pete the Cat. Awesome. But we're really excited by um, the play coming up, our, our, our musical, The Best Christmas Pageant Ever, The Musical which has been, um, gosh, we commissioned this show uh, maybe four years ago, and we produced it for the first time two seasons ago, and we had no idea how popular it was going to be. Um, it really became our most popular show in our 70-year history. And so we did not necessarily intend to bring it back, but we keep bringing it back because it keeps that popularity is just so strong with our audience. Now tell me why 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 that and why is it so popular? I feel like with theater now, it's it's almost like you can go to the movies, you can stay at home and watch movies, but like when you go to theater, it's like going to the to see Cam Newton live, right? And a whole nother perspective, especially from a children's eyes. So with this, Christmas has to, has to be huge. But what has really been the driving factor around that? Is it the season? Is it what you're doing? Tell me what makes that so special. I think it's a little bit of both. Um we see a lot of folks that come out once a year as a special treat for the family during the holidays, so we certainly always want to be prepared for that. Um, but having this particular show, I mean, it's been an iconic story for years and years, and we had done previously the straight play of that without the music, but we felt like, as Adam said, when we were able to commission the new story with with the beautiful music that our lyricists and composers added, um, it really brings another dimension uh, we have a lot of musical theater fans around Charlotte, too, and it just, it really struck a chord, no pun intended, with, with our audiences. Now, I, I am a new father, and he's about to turn eight months next week, and we're, I feel like I'm very well-rounded. I want to make him a very well-rounded young man as well, and we had the Charlotte Ballet on, and it was really neat to understand 
you know, what drives that in the Charlotte area? And the community is really great. Do you guys focus, with it being the children's theater, do you guys focus all of these for the children, but then you still want to appeal to the adults? How do you kind of play that teeter-totter? Yeah, we do. Um, we, Being the children's theater of Charlotte, we do focus on children and families. Um, it is a place where grandparents can come with children, with the grandchildren. Parents come with children. But, you know, we um, when we build a season, we're thinking very specifically about what age group any given production is going to serve. We have certain plays that are really right for ages, say, two to five, right? We have other ones that are that are good for ages, say, four plus, four to six, four to seven. We have other ones that are that are good for ages six plus, but not so good for four plus, right? Other ones that are good for eight plus. It's very specific as far as who, who they target and why. And a lot of it has to do with the content, the theme, the story, the language that's being used, um, the level of the language. Um, Even the, the length of the performance, right. you know. Yes. Now, are majority of the, um, the people on stage performing, is, is that majority of adults? Do you also incorporate children in the, in the theater as well? It's, it's both. Primarily, they are all professional actors performing for children. Gotcha. Because with our professional productions, the, um, we do them for the audience. We have a whole education program in which we have children performing on stage, but the purpose of those is for the journey of the child on stage. It's okay if they fail. We're there to support them anyway. In our professional productions, it's about the audience. We're going to have 15,000 people coming to see Christmas wow, pageant. that's a big number. Um, you know, and it's about those people coming. Now, in certain productions, one or two a year, like Christmas pageant, um, we will have kids on stage alongside professionals. Many of those kids are from our programs, um, and that's actually part of the appeal, I yeah. think, is that we, we're going to have you know, 18 to 22 kids on stage, and the level of professionalism these children have is extraordinary. So these performances, are they, are they traveling performances, and they'll come to Charlotte for a quarter or a month or two, or are these all local performing arts folks that, that you all design and, and build the show out? And pardon my ignorance, but... No, absolutely. Great question. We are a fully producing theater, and okay. by, the, by that, you know, Adam and a group of us take a look at scripts. We take a look at what things we can commission for new works for our audiences, and we create everything in-house. We do all the casting. We hire the wow. directors, designers. We have scene shop, costume shop, and we fully produce these, these shows. My so goodness. All of them are produced in-house. We do have two touring companies, one that performs year-round, goes into schools, um, and then we have one that we put together for part of the year that is for preschool audiences. Very cool. Do you have trouble, like, seems like all other businesses, in finding talent and folks interested in, in your program? We've just had conversation this morning about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you do. Real right. life. Real life. Yes. Here we go. Here we we go. do. There's a lot of Which, talent in Charlotte, a lot of great artists that are in Charlotte, but um, you know, uh, we, we require um, um, performers who can work during the day. Okay. So for us, um, it's not as easy for us to, to hire um, an actor who also has another job to support themselves. You know, and unfortunately in Charlotte, there's not um, a significant amount of opportunities for professional actors mm -hmm. to work. So that is a challenge at times, but there's a lot of great talent in Charlotte. Do, good do you see that growing as, as we grow as a city? 
more more folks interested in performing arts and you know we're we're a worldly city now we're not just some regional kind of mm-hmm. you know so i'm just curious if that brings more interest and more talent in your we are. world it's, it's it's sort of the chicken and egg you know there there's not enough work to support a lot of people in this profession full time as adam said people working during the day and for us a great part of our mission is providing these productions for school audiences so we will have between 50 and 60,000 school students coming in during the week across the season for productions. So these actors and actresses have to be available to do you know, six, eight shows a week in the mornings for school audiences, hmm. and which you is got, another challenge. Yeah, you mentioned um, sitting down, and, and it's very difficult to pick throughout the year what you're going to be doing. Tell us what that process looks like from start to finish. Have you guys already completed your 2019 schedule? How early are you setting that up? And really, what are the questions you guys are asking yourselves? Is this going to be good in this month? Is this going to be good in this year? How, how does that process happen? That's a great question. It's a very complicated process. Um, we are almost finished with our 1920 season, um, and we actually have a, a pretty pretty strong lead on our 2021 season Wow! at this point. Um, you know, we ask ourselves a lot of questions. So, some, some things like Christmas pageant we've commissioned and we're in the process of developing. So we have a certain number of shows, um, like for example, in the kindness project, where we have a certain number of shows in which we are already committed to. So we know there's a few shows that will be in our season next year. Um, you know, then we have, um, other, other shows like the holiday season where we need something in the holiday season that will, that will serve our audience. We're also asking ourselves, what does our audience need? What does our audience want? What do schools need? What do schools want? How can we be in conversation with those groups to better understand what they want and need? We're also then um, looking at age groups. What's what's best for a four-year-old versus a six-year-old versus an eight-year-old? Do we have enough offerings throughout the season spread out at different times to serve those different age groups? Do we have enough um, titles that might um, appeal to a female audience versus a male, like boys versus girls when they're coming in. That's something we think about. What does the title say, and who is that going to pull in and speak to? And um, certainly when we look across our, our ever-changing community, diversity of storytelling is something that we, we certainly are cognizant of and want to make sure that we're providing a good blend of stories so that our audiences can see themselves in their own stories on stage. And one thing that I'd like to know, and, and having an eight-month-old, I don't want to keep saying that, but he'll be four before is, you know. Congratulations. He's, al- he's, he's almost eight months old, everyone. Wow. Hey, Brian, do you have yeah, an eight-month-old? You guys want to see a picture? <laughs> but, um, That's awesome, buddy. Yeah, way. it is. It is awesome. And I have an awesome wife, and, and God bless you. Love you, babe. But the reality is, you know, or back to the, uh, the question, how do you decide what's good for a four-year-old versus a six-year-old? And what are kind of some of the the questions that you ask yourself, obviously time, how, how long can we grasp their attention? Um, but I'm just curious to see how you guys, you know, judge from a four, six, eight year old and, and, and in your, your medium. Yeah, there's, there's, there are a lot of factors. One is how time, you know, um, if we're going to do something in what we call our pre-K space, those are going to be about, about, you know, 35, 40 minute shows. If we're going to move it up into a, say four to six or five to seven, you know, we can move up into the 60 minute you know, time frame, but there's also the level of the language that's being used. What kinds of words are they, are they, are they using? 
in the in there? Um, are there any monologues? Uh, what is the length of the speeches that they have? What is the content? Are the characters that are in it dealing with issues that a four-year-old is going to be dealing with in a pre-K situation? What sorts of things are they having to be challenged with from other four-year-olds in that occupy the same space they do in preschool or at home? You know, and, and that's important to, to us. Um, versus a six-year-old, it's a very different thing when you're in first grade versus you're in pre-K. You know, showing up in school and what is a kid on the playground saying to you or what is a teacher asking of you as a six-year-old in first grade versus a third grader? Huge difference between those two. Absolutely. Yeah. You just have to be so relevant. I, I, that sounds very complex we to need me. A calendar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need a calendar with about 18 months every year we figured out to get it all <laughs> right. in. No kidding. Now, do you see like your, do we call them patrons or whomever comes to see your show? Do you, do you see reoccurring clientele or are you constantly you mentioned diversity are you constantly bringing in new people and exposing them to this type of performing art it's all uh, of the above hopefully yeah. um, we have a lot of people that do return we have a great subscription package that people can okay. can sign up for based on the age group um, for the year or they can build their own subscription if they want to ensure that they see several shows during the year one of the things obviously about being a children's theater is we've got new eight months old that are out there uh, as potential audience members. And, <laughs> Good <play>. um, <laughs> you know, kids grow up. Right. Um, you know, the, the 12-year-old that has been coming for six or seven years He's now an adult is beginning or to yeah. sort of age away from some of the work that we're doing. Even though we think a lot of what we do is timeless, we have adults that come without children sure. uh, to see stories that they, they love. That's so cool. And do you all compete with, you know, the the Hamiltons and the, you know, all the the ones that do tour around and and come to town and mm. Nutcracker and all that kind of thing? I don't think so. I mean, I think everybody is competing for uh, a family's uh, disposable income, right? Right. And time. And time. Time is actually more important than that. How are they going to spend their time? Sure. But, you know, Charlotte is such a big place. There is room for Hamilton. Hamilton energized the city. Sure. You know, just by being here, it energized the city about theater. That's awesome. That's well, that's amazing. new exposure and new interest that maybe Absolutely. could trickle down to your Absolutely. organization. And Nutcracker. That's a great thing to have on a yearly basis sure. in this city. The opportunity to see uh, uh, something that is as high quality as that piece in our city, I don't think that competes with us. Mm. Right. Um, I think it's, it's a big enough city that it all can exist. Yeah, the time and just the family structure is, is probably one of the biggest competitors we have. Mm -hmm. And our role is to hopefully do the kind of work that creates the kind of value that families can, can keep us at the top of the list to say, you know, when we're planning our month, these are the things we want to do, and we hope theater is is high on the list. Sure. How do you? I'm just curious how how you sort of do your marketing. I mean, are you marketing through schools, church organizations? Uh, you, you, how are how are you going about capturing your audience that, like me, don't don't know a whole lot about the organization? I don't have children, mm -hmm. so maybe that's one reason. Yeah. <laughs> but but like you say, like how do we how do you get in front of folks and target that 
uh, versus them going to Carowinds for the mm-hmm. evening or afternoon or whatever it is, you know? Well, we talk on amazing podcasts like this. Oh. Yes. <laughs> this there it is. <laughs> well, thank you for that. There it is. We'll be back next week. That's one way. <laughs> no, it's interesting because um, even though we have a huge school audience that comes, we don't have direct contact with those families, um, right. which is something that can keep us awake a little bit at night. Uh, but we hope that those children are going home and saying, guess what I got to do today? Guess what I got to see? Let's go back and see something else. Very cool. Um, so that, from a school standpoint, we you know, have really tried to move into the digital age and be very intentional about who we know our audience is, who we want our audience to be, and work with them in that regard, you know, some of it's digital, some of it's direct mail, um, some of it's our e-blast. We're fortunate, again, as Adam said, to share our space with the public library in a public space. So folks coming to the library at ImagineOn, coming to events there, certainly see and, and can grasp information about who we are and what we're doing. And then some of so. it is, you know, like last week, our cast for Last Stop on Market Street was at 7th Street Station yes. mm-hmm. meeting people. Oh, really? They were out there giving away books. We were giving away copies of the of the book that the play is based on and giving away coffee cards for a mm-hmm. free free coffee just to meet them and, and express what the kindness project is and why we're doing that play. Right. So back in the day when I left school, they would just pin a note to my shirt. We can't do that for all the... No, just kidding. Oh. <laughs> all right. You know, we'll just get a sticker and be like, look where I went today, Mom. We actually had those. See? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Ask me about the play. I, I, lo- I love it. So we're all about brands. We're also about personal brands, professional brands. Tell me, how did you guys get into this? You guys seem very passionate about it. It seems like something that, that literally when you wake up, you're like, this is going to be a great day. And, and, and if I can help one kid, you know, enjoy theater and get to see something that changes their life, that's what it's all about. How, tell me, you know, briefly what both of you guys, what, what your background is and, and really what brought you here. Oh, gosh. Mine was a very non-artistic path, except for the fact that I enjoyed it personally, to you know, a lot of music lessons, dance lessons. I was involved in the arts growing up, uh, but went to business school and became a banker. Surprise, surprise in this town. <laughs> no way. Um, you know, you're either a banker, you're married to a banker or something <laughs> along the lines. Um, but got involved in a lot of things community-wise when I was there, and um, that really drove my passion. I was doing board work and a lot of volunteerism, and this was just an amazing way to sort of bring all of those skills together. Yeah, for me, I mean, my, my background is in directing um, in, in theater, but specifically to children's theater. You know, uh, I have two nieces and a nephew, and and I you know didn't have any children for a long time. And and when I saw them getting into three year old, four year old, five year old time frame, and I was able to really see, you know, one of my one of my nieces, um, you know, had a had uh, a, a a disability of sorts, and then seeing the way in which she had to move through even a kindergarten class and how other children sort of responded to, to this person um, was very sophisticated. What they're already having to deal with, which mm-hmm. I don't remember as a kindergartner having to deal with when I was that young. It's very different now. But seeing that opened my eyes to the types of stories and the, that, that, that can be shared with young people and the level of sophistication that we can bring to young people that we often... Um, don't think about. We think it has to be um, um, simply entertainment for them, but it doesn't. And then I had my own children. Um, I had an eight-year-old at one time. In fact, I had two at one time. Um, and um, you know, my two boys, and that really opened my eyes to to the need for for 
art, the need for theater, the need for um, sparking empathy in today's world um, in young people. And, 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 and what gets me up in the morning is the work that we are doing. Uh, the hope and the dream is that, is that an audience member sees themselves in someone on stage, shares that journey, says, I've been there or I've done that, and that somehow allows them to feel for other people in the world. Very That's good. Amazing. That's super cool. So as you're, as the artistic director, are you playwriting or, you know, are you, are you pulling these stories together and then in turn having actors act out the story? Is that, is that your role? Is that what that means? By artistic director? Yeah, so I'm not a playwright, um, okay. um, but I love playwrights. Um, so my role is to, um, is to um, uh, share the vision of the company to assure that we have a process in place whereby I gather, we gather the people in the company who, who have an opinion on the types of work that we should be doing, guiding that process. Um, and then making sure that we that we that we have a season in place that we're making sure we're um, committing to our community. Um, I you know uh, we do then choose the titles, um, finding the playwrights that will write the plays that we want to tell the stories that we want to tell. Um, sort of guiding that process, um, finding the directors and putting the teams together who will produce each of these things that we do. Um, that's the best part of my job is I get to bring these artists together and, and find the perfect group of artists to tell a certain story. Um, that is super and, cool. And, and kind of going on with that question, you guys, um, it seems you're, you're both very passionate about this, and I love that. And you guys have created a theme called The Kindness Project, and it involves two productions this season, one next season. Really interested to learn about what The Kindness Project is. Great. You know, we're a very curious group, um, as you might imagine, <laughs> in a creative environment. So we're always trying to look between the the cracks and under the rocks to f to figure out wh what are some things that we can do that can have an impact. Um, you know, Adam, I want to regress just a second. Adam was talking about script selection or either commissioning. There are a lot of great stories out there for kids, but there are a lot of bad scripts out there for kids, too. And so... Those are some of the things that we certainly want to, to take into account as we're, we're planning uh, because of the quality, uh, going back again to what Adam was talking about with the level of understanding that kids have. They will call you on something if you don't do it right, um, <laughs> which we love, but it, it's just a very, very interesting process. Kids are very honest. They are, <laughs> and, and they will tell you straight up. Um, but... About two and a half years ago, I actually ran across a book list and looking for something else that talked about this group of books that all had a theme around kindness. And they're not, they're not sappy books, you know, little pat kids on the head, go do something nice, but they're really intellectual books for young audiences. And so we began to sort of dig through that, and time-wise, we came upon the election two years ago, and... Um, yeah, so we, we, we landed in the last presidential election and kind of looked around and realized we were, as adults, as I looked at my children, I looked at the way in which we were associating with each other on social media specifically, but around political issues, and I said, that is just not nice. 
Oftentimes, <laughs> not it is just close. not <laughs> nice the way that we're not listening. We're not, we're not asking genuine questions and then listening for a response. We're not being kind. And these are our leaders, right? And that's right. built and over into too, every though. part right. of life. We as adults, too, it's not just our leaders. It's all of us in the sure. way when, when we get on Facebook or we get on some other aspect. And we, so that's what then sparked this. What is our response to our community, mm. to our children as an audience? And it's that we want to present productions and create pieces that an, a, an adult, a teacher, a parent can come to. And because it's part of the kindness project, they know one of the major themes in that piece is going to be kindness. And for us, the difference between empathy and kindness, which I talked earlier about empathy, is that kindness is an act. You have to actually do something to be kind. Mm -hmm. You can't just feel it. Um, and that's an important distinction for us in these in these productions and the way that we talk to our audience. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that play out in so many different ways. We will close Last Stop on Market Street, which is our first production in this series, um, over the weekend. But we've gotten beautiful responses from families. And I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, we got an email just a couple of days ago from a mom who had brought, she and her family had come together, her four-year-old, um, and they saw the production, they really liked it, and the next day they got up and went to the grocery store. And the little boy always knew, go to the cookie counter, you get your free cookie. So they did that, and when they got to the cookie counter, he asked for his cookie and said thank you, and then he looked up and said, can I have another one to take home to my sister? And he looked at his mom and said, because that's what CJ did, he got a cookie and gave it to the bus driver in the show. Awesome. So he go. made that that's, connection. That's awesome. He made that connection. And we're hearing stories like that from this show, which is just bringing all that full circle to what we hoped and dreamed would happen with these shows. That's good. so cool. Yeah, Making a yeah. direct impact yeah. on, on children. And really, you know, that's, that's what's going to carry this thing yeah. further is, is the next generation and how they've been raised and you know, all of that. So that's super important. Very yeah, cool. To be able yeah. to empower, that's a great story. to know a, you know, that we can help yeah. empower a four-year-old that there's something like that they can do and make such a difference. We have to lead them through example, exactly. right? And that's a prime example of that. And so cool that they, they're smart. They, they absorb everything, and they do what yeah. we do. If we're doing the right thing, then it helps. If we're not, then they see that too, and they, they respond to that. So very cool. Very cool. We need more of that. Yeah, that, absolutely. I love that. And and I think it's, um, I, I read a, a, a post recently about it with a girl I used to work with about bullying. He has an 11 year old and it brought me to tears just thinking about what this kid has gone through. And it was a very detailed description and it got shared over one point, I think like 1500 times um, because it was so deep. But that has to be the message for, for parents and for people. Your kids are going to listen to you. So for you guys to create a, a media outlet where you can literally go and a kid can get that kind of life-changing information and then take it and put it to light. Like, that's amazing right there. So God bless you guys. This is awesome. Um, I'm excited to get, you know, my eight-month-old <laughs> involved here soon. Um, but tell us a little bit in closing, how can we get in touch with you guys and, and what's the best way to follow, uh, you know, what you guys are doing? Great. Our website is ctcharlotte.org. We love to have people visit our website, learn more about that. Come into ImagineOn. Um, come to a show, certainly. Enroll your child at a class. We hadn't talked a lot about our classes, but, 
that they provide wonderful opportunities, not just for kids to learn how to be on stage, but to learn how to connect with one another, to be part of a team, to really develop some good life skills. So that certainly is an opportunity as well. We also provide a lot of things in the community, like our Theater 360 program. You can come into the building um, at certain times, which are noted on our website, and participate in backstage tours, in talk packs, in meet and greets with the cast without ever having to buy a ticket. Uh, we'd love for you to buy a ticket and be part of the show and round out that experience, but we try to make sure that we've got available options for people. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys, Adam and, uh, and Linda. This has been a, an absolute pleasure. Uh, make sure you guys go and check them out at the Children's Theater of Charlotte, especially as we get closer to the holidays. We hope you guys have a great holiday. Keep it up. I promise my boy will be there soon. Thank you again. <laughs> all right. Thanks thank so you much. all. Thank you all. Enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.